So week nine, we're on week nine. And uh, no longer, right? Victory through a spirit-led life. I mean, I guess this would be a, a long series because it's uh, about how you're supposed to live after you're born again, right? Yeah. And last week, we talked about a law. We talked about the law of focus, and it's a very simple law. And it goes like this. Whatever you focus on, you will become. You will become whatever you focus on. And we've seen that this law was revealed both in the Old Testament and it was revealed in the New Testament, right? Um, and when we see Jesus as he is, it will change the way that you see yourself from the inside out. You will change effortlessly. That's key. If your Christian life is burdensome, if you see it as burdensome, or if you see it as things that you must do to become, that there are rungs of a ladder that you have to climb up to become more holy, more spiritual, more, more of these things, your ladder is against the wrong building. Because you were born this way. You, you, <laughs> any righteousness, any holiness. I can't say this enough because people don't still don't get it. People do not get it. Any righteousness, any holiness that you do through your actions is not the holiness and righteousness of God. It's not. It's your holiness. It's your righteousness. You, and we need God's holiness and God's righteousness. So how do you perform? How do you become holy and righteous? Through faith in Jesus Christ. And then you're, by faith in Jesus Christ, you become holy. You become righteous. And when you start focusing on those realities, those truths, your actions will line up with what you believe. See, man-made religion does the complete opposite. Do, 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 and then you are. God says, I have made you, now act that way. Huge difference. Huge difference. And that's, one is bad news and one is good news. Right? I mean, you parents know it. This, my kids have heard it. That's not the way the Minklers act. That's not the way the Minklers think. Why? Because they were born Minklers. And you were born a child of God. Amen. All right. So you need to see yourself. And a, victory, a victorious life is through a spirit-led life. The spirit itself does this for you. And as, we, as we've seen in multiple ways, that walking in the spirit is not difficult. It's not difficult. And so many people miss what it truly means to be spiritually led and walking in the spirit because it's so simple. Because in our carnal thinking, we think that there's more, there's got to be more to this. There's got to be faith, faith in God's grace plus. And there's not. So let's see how simple it is to walk in the Spirit when it comes to fear and worry. I mean, those aren't relevant topics in this day and age, are they? What, what does it look like to walk in the Spirit when it comes to fear, worry, and anxiety? 
In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything. There's a command. Do not be anxious. Don't be anxious. Don't worry. Do not fear. At least 365 times in the Old Testament, God says, fear not. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, what, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Man, it kind of sounds like he's practicing what he's been preaching. See, fear and worry is a focus problem. Fear and worry is a focus problem. Now, now, now understand something. There's, a different type, there's different types of fear. There's one type of fear where a bear starts chasing you, and you get fear, and you run, and you should run. Or they don't say run. Back up slowly and see, and see who's, who's the slowest in the group, and then, then run. But, no, there, there are certain fears that protect you from harm, Right? But we're talking about fear where you don't have any control over the situation. We're talking tormenting fear. We're talking about in the middle of the night. We're talking about at work. We're talking about where it changes your mood around the house. Anxiety, fear, worry, dread. Those, that, type, that type of fear, right? The, I, I always, we used to, when I was younger, we had snowmobiles and you know, snowmobiles nowadays, they, they can go 100 miles an hour, no, no problem. And uh, I always remember thinking to myself, if I ever lose the fear, that's when I'm in trouble. Right? So there is a fear that protects you, but then there's a fear that harms you. Are we all on the same page? So, um, so we are exhorted, we are exhorted to be anxious for what? Nothing. We are to be anxious for nothing. But when we focus on fear and worry, the fear and worry are in where? The natural realm, right? And when we focus on things that happen in the natural realm, we cut ourselves off from the law of the spirit of life. Right? Because we're being carnally minded and not spiritually minded. So we are exhorted to be anxious for nothing. And what does nothing include? Everything. <laughs> nothing includes everything. <laughs> I think that's crazy. Right? So... <laughs> So what's so great, this is what's so great about living in the New Covenant. What's so great about living in the New Covenant of the Spirit is unlike the Old Testament that gave you the command, thou shall not, but didn't give you the power to fulfill that command, right? They to, it, the Old Covenant told you what you're not supposed to do. 
And then you had to do it in the flesh. You had to not do it in the flesh by your own strength, by your own power. Right? The new covenant has given us everything we need to live, in God, live out God's will in our lives. We've been empowered to live through the Spirit. We're not just told not to be anxious. What good is that? What good is it if you, if you came up to me and said, man, I'm really fearful. I'm, very, I'm really anxious. I, I, I have anxiety and, and dread of the future. And, and I said, well, don't be anxious. Does that help you out? Just don't be anxious. We're told not to be anxious for anything. But thank God that Paul didn't say, don't be anxious and then just send you on your way. We are told not to just not stop worrying, stop stressing, stop thinking fearful thoughts. See, if, if these things, this is very relevant to our lives. And this is a key to how you live victorious over fear, anxiety, and dread. Telling someone to stop thinking about something never works. Do you understand that? Just tell them, stop thinking negatively. If I just told you, stop thinking negatively, it's useless. Because they just think about it even more. Let me illustrate. How many of you guys have ever had homemade, fr just fresh baked bread? I, I mean, you can smell it, can't you? And it comes out of the oven. Maybe it's sourdough dough or French, you know, French loaf or something like that. It's got that thick crust on the outside, and it's all soft in the inside. And then they cut, they cut, they cut it, they cut it, and a little bit of steam comes out, right? And then they start putting the butter on it, and it just, it just melts. It just melts all over it. And I mean, can you picture it? Can you think? Of it? Now, don't think about fresh baked bread. Don't, don't, don't think, don't think about buttery, delicious bread. Don't think about just that, that tough exterior and the soft interior. Maybe you got a little dipping sauce or some, maybe some garlic. Oh, right? Don't think about that. Don't not think about that. How'd that work for you? Did you stop thinking about the bread? I told you not to think about bread. You're still thinking about bread. Do you see how just simply telling people to stop thinking about things doesn't work? Just don't telling someone don't do this doesn't work? So how are we supposed to forget about fresh baked bread? Because you're still thinking about it. How do, you, how, do, how do we get rid of this thought of fresh baked bread? And just so you know, we're not talk, just talking about fresh baked bread. We're talking about those thoughts that are constantly in your mind. Those ones that you've gotten tired of trying to cast out and just say, that's not right, I shouldn't think that way. And, and, and uh, those thoughts that are destructive. And How do you get rid of that bread? How do you get rid, rid of that fresh baked bread? You replace it with a thought of fresh apple pie. Amen. Fresh apple pie. I, and I'm talking not the flat ones. I mean, it's thick. It's filled. And, 
it's filled with those, those it's, the apples are still a little crunchy. I don't know if you like it that way. Um, and there's just the right amount of cinnamon and, and, and sugar. And, and, the, and, the, and the crust is so flaky. You know, I mean, it's, it's, the crust, it's one of those crusts where you, you don't know which one's better, the filling or the crust. And, and just a scoop of good vanilla ice cream where you can see the specks of the vanilla in it on, on top. And it's just melting just a little bit. Ooh, a little caramel drizzled on top. Mmm, my goodness. Look at you. You forgot all about the bread. You're not thinking about bread no more. Yeah. See, you, you do not just stop thinking about something. You have to replace those thoughts with another thought. The answer is not to stop thinking about your natural circumstances. I am not trying to just to get you to stop thinking about your natural circumstances and what you're facing in your life. The answer is to renew your mind and exchange those thoughts with other thoughts, higher thoughts, things that are above, heavenly thoughts, spiritual thoughts, things that are true in eternity. Eternal thoughts. You know that? The truth of God is eternal. Your, your, your natural circumstances are for a moment. I mean, when the church faced some of the most, the largest persecution on the Nero, you know, where they were being burnt at, on stakes just to light their parties at night. When they were being thrown into dungeons, when they were thrown to the lions and to, and to the dogs and for entertainment. What, what was the answer that Paul was writing to them? Think of, of your, like your hope in Christ Jesus, your eternal hope. E even in death, we have an opportunity to change our thoughts from the temporal to the eternal. Amen. See, Paul, Paul didn't simply just say, stop thinking about those things that are worrying us. He said, first, take them to God in prayer. Right? Be anxious for nothing, but with all things. Right? Make your prayers known to God. By, by doing this, what happens? By doing this, by praying to God, what, what automatically happens? When you pray to God, what happens? Your mind turns from your circumstances and you're now focusing on God. For a moment, you stop looking at your natural circumstances and you look upward. You go from being a navel gazer to gazing at the sun. S-O-N. We start focusing on God. And when we turn our cares into prayers, it turns our focus on the Spirit. And what is the promised result? What is the promised result when we bring everything to God in prayer? Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, 
which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The result of refocusing on the Spirit is the very peace of God invading your life. See how simple this is? A peace that can't, this peace cannot be found in the natural realm. You can't, as hard as you work, as hard as you try to fix things, as hard as you try to um, control and, and plan and all these things, you will never, ever, ever find the peace of God in this earth. It comes from above. It comes from within. The, this peace cannot be found here. What, it's, it's a peace that surpasses natural thinking. And you can, you've seen it. Just a small glimpse of people that their mind is on something else and they have peace in the midst of this calamity of corona and those that are constantly focused on what is happening in the natural realm. There is a huge contrast of it. There's such a contrast that there's actually wars fought between the two. And you've questioned if I should really be this peaceful. If I should really have this much peace. I mean, have you ever thought, should I worry more than I am about something? Because yeah, you go to talk to somebody else and, and they start talking and you think, man, maybe I should be worried about this. Have you ever? Yeah. But this, the peace of God can't be found on earth. It, it comes from within. It's a peace that will guard your heart and your mind from the torment and fear of anxiety. This peace guards your heart and it guards your mind. From what? That dread that you're trying to get rid of. That fear you're trying to get rid of. That anxiety and worry that you're trying to get rid of. How did, how did it happen? By the Spirit. You, didn't even, you don't even have to do it. All you have to do is change your focus. Change what you are beholding. Do you remember what we read in Romans? In chapter 8, what we read in chapter 8 of Romans? What it told us is the fruit of being spiritually minded? I didn't think you would. So I, we're going to go there. In Romans chapter 8, verse 6, it says, For to set your mind on the flesh is death, but to set your mind on the Spirit is life and peace. There it is again. The fruit of being spiritual-minded is life and it's peace. And this peace will guard your hearts and minds. Have you 
Have you ever been spiritually minded and then slipped back into carnal thinking? Have you ever took your, your concerns and your worries to God in prayer and, then, and, and walked away feeling good, but all of a sudden just started slipping back into that old way of thinking? You start thinking about bread again. What happens to your peace when that happens? It disappears. It goes away. But here in Philippians, we are given seven things to filter our thoughts through and keep the peace. Paul tells us to meditate. So what happens when you meditate on something? You're focusing on something. You're focusing on spiritual truth. You're focusing on real, eternal realities. You're focusing on the kingdom of heaven. You're fo focusing on Jesus seated at the right hand of God. And he tells us to meditate on these, these seven things. And these seven things will what? They will keep you in perfect peace. Philippians 4.8, whatever is true. Now what's he talking about there? He's talking about truth in the Spirit. Truth in the New Covenant. Truth in the New Testament. Truth of what is the reality in heaven. The truth of what is the reality in your spirit man within you. Right? Because I'll say, whatever is true. And you say, well, this is true, Chad. No, that's a fact. God changes facts all the time. There was a fact. One, at one time in my life, I was a sinner. Guess what? God changed that fact. The truth now is I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And if he can change that, he can change anything. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. He just doesn't tell you to be anxious for nothing. He, just, he doesn't tell you just stop worrying. He doesn't tell you to stop being so fearful. He says, do this, think on these things. Change your thoughts. A spirit-led life is so simple that you need someone else to help you to misunderstand it. And there's lots of people that are volunteered to do it. And because it's so simple, people often miss it, or they think it can't be this simple, and they add to it. They try to help God. And they add to it by... And by doing so, as soon as you start adding to it, saying, I got to do this, I got to do that, I have to do this in the flesh, you be, are now in the flesh. And you're not being led by the Spirit. And then it doesn't work. And then you get frustrated. Why? Because we just make it far too more complicated than it was ever meant to be. As soon as your focus changes on yourself, and it's off from God, it's off from Jesus, and it's off, off of 
Holy Spirit working in your life. That's when frustration and the peace disappears. Look, how, look at how simple, how, how simple transformation of the soul and the flesh is. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, 3, verse 14, it says, But their minds are hardened, for to this day when they read the Old Covenant, he's talking about the Jews here, that same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But then when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. What happens when you have a veil over your face? Your vision is restricted, right? You can't see anything but yourself. You have to look down the front of you. That's all you can see. You have no choice but to be a navel gazer. And that's what was happening to the Jews. When they looked at the law, they only seen themselves. They only seen themselves. The only way that you can remove the veil is to take your eyes off from self and look unto Christ. Right? If you read the law and only see everything you must do to please a holy God, you are putting a veil over your face. You, cannot sp you can spot a person that has a veil on them because the law is all about them and what they must do. And you can always spot a law preacher. Because the law of preachers constantly telling you what you need to do to be right with God. But when you see the law through Jesus, it becomes a shadow fulfilled not by what you did, but what Jesus has done. When you look to Jesus, the veil is removed. Colossians 2.17 says, All of these were but prophetic, a prophetic shadow and the evidence of what would be fulfilled, for the body is now Christ. All of the law was a prophetic shadow and evidence of what would be fulfilled. Whenever you look at Jesus, the law of the spirit of life gets turned on. Back to um, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, verse 17 in chapter 3. Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. When the light switch is turned on, and the law of the spirit of life is flowing, you will experience freedom. So if you, if you come to Karis New Testament Church, and you walk out these doors feeling like you're put under a yoke, if you feel like you're putting in bondage, if you, if you feel like, man, I got a list of things that I got to accomplish, or I'm in trouble with God. That's not freedom. 
Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the, where the Spirit of the life of, of the Spirit is flowing, there is freedom. Trying by self-effort to change yourself into the image of God is hard work. You know, there's a lot of people that don't go to church anymore. You want to know why? Because they couldn't live up to the expectations of those that are in the church. Because it's hard work to look like God. And tell you the truth, I kind of respect them. Because they're willing to say, I can't do it. I can't, I can't live up to that standard. I can't, I can't live a life under that burden. I can't live a life of, of, of just feeling condemned and having a yoke on my shoulders of, and just always worrying about that I'm falling short. At least they're being honest. Trying by self-effort to change yourself in an image God isn't hard work isn't just hard work it's impossible it's impossible you cannot change yourself into the image of God and when you try it becomes complicated and it becomes burdensome and that carrot keeps on moving right you need to read your bible every day i read my bible every day well how many chapters did you read? And did you read just in the New Testament or the Old Testament? And, and you could have read, you read four chapters, you could have read five. You know you could have. See, we read the Bible because it's life to us. It's how we refocus ourselves. We don't do it out of bondage. We don't do it trying to achieve something. It's like Christmas to us. We, we, we open up that Bible to find out everything that's ours. Trying through self-effort to transform yourself into the image of God is not freedom. It's bondage. Aren't you glad that we don't have to change ourselves? That the Spirit will make the transformation for us? Verse 18, But we all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. How are you transformed? By looking into a mirror. What's the, I mean, what's, what's the mirror that we're able to look into? It's the Word of God. We look in the Word of God and we see what Jesus was like and we say, that's what I look like. That's what I look like. And we go from glory to glory and the Spirit of God is making this transformation. This is God's method for transformation. And we must have unveiled faces for it to happen. And the only way you can have an unveiled face is by looking at Jesus. This means that you can't be looking to yourself. You can't be looking to your natural circumstances. We have to unveil, we have to have an unveiled face from looking at Jesus and behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Then 
we will be transformed into that same image from glory to glory. Well, this sounds like a relationship. It sounds like God's alive and he wants me to commune and fellowship. And I mean, this, this sounds like what my dad tries to make me do with is have a relationship with him and learn from him and talk with him. Or my mother, you know, she, she tries to build a relationship with her kids. They're still father, they're still mother, but there's a connection there. Do you see how easy this is? I mean, it's simply by just living a life believing that God is your Father, that you've been transformed, you become a new creation in Christ Jesus, old things passed away, everything else has become new. And then just focusing on all the truths of that new reality. The mirror we look into is the Word of God. We wouldn't even know Jesus if it wasn't for the Word. Right? And how will they know unless it's preached to them? And how will they preach unless one is sent? We behold the glory of the Lord, not the dullness of ourselves. Someone needs to hear that this morning. So you think you're plain. You don't think you have nothing to offer the world. You don't think that God could ever use you. You want to know why? It's because you're looking at the dullness of yourself. And you're not looking to the Lord. And you're saying, wow, that hurt, that hurt Chad. No, it's love. If I only looked to myself, what a mess I would be. We all, this is not something just for certain people need to do. We all constantly have to be looking unto the Lord and not the dullness of ourselves. We are transformed not by our own works or strength, but by the Spirit of the Lord. And this can't get any simpler. Now the worship team come back up. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 8, it says, A stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. So many people can't get past the veil. So many Christians are unable to come into the freedom of the Spirit of God because they can't get past the veil in certain areas of their life. They can't get past self-effort, willpower, and navel-gazing. The gospel is too easy. It's, it's, it's too free. It's too liberating. And they stumble over and over that rock of offense who is Jesus Christ. Behold the Lord through the word and allow the spirit of God to do it for you. Grace is what God does for us. We go from grace to grace, and God does it for us. He takes us from glory 
to glory. Stop struggling, church, and start beholding. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the word of God, the living word of God that, that cuts to the chase. It, it, it cuts to, to, to the part that separates the soul, our, our minds, and our spirit. And it reveals our hearts. And this morning we have an opportunity to examine ourselves. To, are, are we focusing, Lord, on, 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 on the natural circumstances? Are we finding our absolute truth through the media and in the, in the news and social, and social media and all of these pe people that are constantly looking at the carnal reality? Or are we focusing on you from where our help comes from? Are we resting in the arms of our Father, our Abba? Are we listening to what the Word of the Spirit is speaking over us? You are a child of God. You are righteous. You are more than a conqueror. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. You have been sealed by the Holy Spirit and you have entered in into eternal life. You have the mind of Christ. You are in the shadow of the Almighty. You are delivered. You've been redeemed. You've been set free. Freedom. 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 This morning, church, we took our eyes off the world and we gazed upon Jesus. But this service will end soon. And you got to keep your eyes focused on Jesus. You got to walk with Him. You got to talk with Him. You got to commune with Him. And He will keep you in perfect peace. He will guard your hearts in your minds you will live in freedom you will be perfected in love and perfect love cast out fear so father as we close praising and worshiping the name of jesus we ask that holy spirit would seal this word in our minds that our minds would be renewed and that we would walk in the Spirit of God and find victory. In Jesus' name, amen. 
been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.